This episode of the Stock Market Movers podcast is brought to you by Calamero St Heliers. Calamero is located at 59 Long Drive in St Heliers, Auckland. Calamero has been cooking classic Italian pizzas and pastas since 1992. Come out and see us for the Stock Market Movers podcast discount. It is Friday, the 18th of October 2019. My name is Jeremy Medlin and welcome to episode 62 of the po- of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice and if you're looking for financial advice I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. So just before I get into the meat of this episode I just had a, a, a funny or an ironic moment for me last night anyway. I went out for dinner at Ostro in, in Auckland which is one of the restaurant bars that Moa Group bought as part of their acquisition of Savoir. So I didn't even look at the, the the drinks menu and I said to the waitress, can I please have a Moa? She looked at me sort of a, 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 a bit crazy and said, we don't, we don't have Moa. And I said, oh, that, I'm, I'm really surprised that you, <laughs> that you don't have Moa. Um, and, and she goes, no, no, we don't have Moa. This is a drink selection. And it was all basically lion drinks, which got me a, l- a little bit by surprise because obviously I think part of the justification for Moa buying these acquisitions was their vertical integration strategy, which, if I were to be honest, it, it, I would have thought that would be the first thing you do as part of your vertical in- integration strategy is introduce the beer that you sell. So it was a bit surprising. Anyway, this week we're going to talk about the biggest soap opera on the NZX. Forget tuning into Shorten Street or watching the World Cup, tune into this. And forget the trade war, this is a rights war. It is, of course, the battle between Spark and Sky. It is quite fascinating because it's something that's been going on for a long period of time now, and there's been a lot written about this, so grab your popcorn. This is, of course, unless you're driving, in which case, keep your hand on the wheel. So as I said, there's been a lot been written. I'll try to stick to what has been reported by the companies as publicly as public announcements um, to the NZX that is. So from the and I'll, I'll throw in an opinion or two along the way as well, of course. So to start off with Spark, they trade on the NZX and the ASX under the ticker code SPK. We all know what they do. I don't need to get into that. But what what they're doing that is different in recent times is that they're trying to bundle. In other services and, and packages in an attempt in an attempt to differentiate differentiate the offering. This is because to a large degree their core offering has been commoditized these days. So back in the glory days when it was telecom, they had what is known as a monopoly over communication. They were basically the only provider in town. And times have, have changed and, and now there are plenty of competitors out there offering phone and broadband subscriptions. And let's face it, I mean, there's little to differentiate between them. Once you have signed up, do you as a consumer, for example, notice that you're on Spark, Vodafone or Skinny? You, you just don't, you, you're just on the phone. So in that situation, there are two ways to differentiate yourself. Either be the low cost producer, so offer the lowest price, or you can offer additional services to make your product more sticky. And that that's what Spark are trying to do in this in this sports right thing is, is offer more services to make the the, the core products more sticky. So that's the route they're going down. Sky, for their part, they trade on the NZX and the ASX under the ticker code SKT. Like Spark, they they too used to have a monopoly, but no longer do. So their monopoly was a bit different. It was a monopoly over media entertainment in New Zealand. And yes, of course, there was also TVNZ and other ways to, to do things. You know, you could watch on the internet and all that sort of stuff. But let's face it, TVNZ was TVNZ. If you wanted good programming and sport, you had to have Sky. And the internet, you know, back in the day wasn't as good as what it was now for consuming media. 
So as the world has changed, this monopoly, you know, it first started again chipped away at, and then in recent years the bulldozer comes out and it it's aggressively shifted the sands under the under Sky's feet. Now, as I've said in the past, I do not necessarily think this is Sky's fault. I do not think there's much that they could have done to evade the tsunami of change that's happening in their space. A lot of Kiwis have doubts about this and, and blame Sky for, quote, not keeping up with the times. And I'm sure Sky will admit that they didn't do everything perfectly, but it's always hard to do everything perfectly. But I don't think it's a Sky thing. If you look at some of the mega mergers, and I'm talking huge mergers and acquisitions that are happening overseas in this space, then you will see it's actually a worldwide thing. Whichever way you cut it, however, whatever view you have, the fact is that they're not the monopoly that they used to be. Back in the day, it was your only decent option for entertainment. Like Spark, essentially, the distribution of their services has been commoditized. And while there is still only 24 hours in a day, people have literally thousands of options for the entertainment they want to consume now. So naturally, the business is not the monopoly that it once was. And Skype, you know, for their part, they realized this. Under, under previous CEO John Follett, who we've had on the podcast in the past, so go back and listen to the episode and, and hopefully will again in the future, they attempted to merge with Vodafone. And this was ultimately blocked and the merger fell over, but it, it retrospectively looks ironic, who, as, as Spark, who is a competitor of Vodafone, is looking to get into the space that was previously dominated by Sky. So it is quite ironic when you think about it. So that is the backdrop too great and I'm happy to say great New Zealand companies whose businesses let's face it they don't enjoy the same economics that they have in the past and now it is the gloves off so I'm going to love the opportunity I'll, I'll get to run with lots of sporting puns in the episode so Spark has been making steps on the fringes to get into Sky Space for a while now so Spark is in this situation are probably the aggressors so they're the ones that are trying to encroach on Sky's territory not apart from the attempted merger with Vodafone Sky has not really made any serious attempts to get into telecommunications so Spark has been offering services such as Lightbox, Free Netflix subscriptions, Spotify subscriptions, and that sort of thing for a while now. They were also having to play around the spark sport, doing things like the Formula One, the soccer and whatnot. And you sort of get the feeling this was a bit of an annoyance to Sky. It, it was things that Sky would have liked to have been doing but felt that Spark were overpaying for the rights or at least paying a price that they were not prepared to pay. So Sky has always been very return on investment orientated with their rights purchases. So if they felt that they would not get a good return on repurchasing the rights something, then they wouldn't do it. So as I said, I, th I think at this stage Spark had Sky's attention but it was sort of a fringe thing. I think it was things that you know, they were nice-to-haves, but they weren't must-haves for Sky. I think I think things started to get a bit more serious when, in April 2018, Spark announced that they were going to bring the coverage of the 2019 Rugby World Cup, which is obviously underway at the moment. The big difference with this offering from Spark Sport was that it was no longer on the fringe. Here was an event that a lot of New Zealanders, and certainly Sky, cared about. The other big difference with this announcement was that they were, it was only going to be available via streaming. And I'm reading directly from the announcement here. New Zealanders will be able to stream Rugby World Cup 2019 matches and related content live or on demand over their home broadband or mobile connection. Sky broke in the news earlier and in March 2018 and said that they were not the preferred bidder. They said, it's an economic reality that we can't have every match of every sport that New Zealanders like to watch. 
they went on. We put forward a strong bid for it. It is an incredibly expensive event that plays once every four years for six weeks. So they're basically saying there that they were not prepared to pay what Spark, what Spark paid. So Sky had had competition for sport in the in the past. This is nothing new, but this what was new is that this was a clear indication that there was a new player in town. You know, when you're buying the Rugby World Cup rights in New Zealand, being a, a country that has lots of rugby fans, this is going to make a big splash. And this new player bought they bought deep pockets that were prepared to spend. You know, compared to Spark, compared to Sky, Spark almost has unlimited resources. So, how much did they spend? I've I've not seen it disclosed anywhere, but I haven't read everything, so I may have missed it. Let me know if I have. But I did read an article by Tom Pullas Strecker on stuff the other day, I'm not sure if I said his name correctly, that they spent $12 million. I've heard elsewhere through the rumour mill that Spark spent over $20 million and that Sky was prepared to only pay $7 million. So what sort of return are Spark likely to get from that? So looking at the Sparksport website, is a tournament pass of $89.99, so $90. The Super Early Bird pass was $60, and the Early Bird, regular Early Bird, was $80. So let's assume that just everyone spent ninety million just to make the numbers easy and to give them some credit. If they spent tw- the twelve million from Tom's article, then they'll need one hundred and thirty three thousand subscribers just to break even on this on the rights cost. Now, of course, that would not be true break even, as they must have spent just a bucket load on advertising, wages, and all the other costs surrounding the tournament. And I've read various reports on on how many people have subscribed, but it's probably f- fair to say that even if they are profitable on it it hasn't exactly delivered them an enormous return so of, of course the longer the all blacks progress in the tournament the more money spark can can make and maybe some of the holdouts on buying the passes and i know there's a few out there will we'll probably you know step up to the plate and buy them um so then you might be thinking sky has sky has won right you know if spark's not making money then that proves sky to be right and you know, the battles won by Sky, but not necessarily. And, and and by the way, before I talk about this, I do not think that this competition is necessarily good over the short term for the average rugby fan. Basically, way more people have Sky than, than what have Spark Sport, whatever way you cut the numbers. So the the assumption that you can deduce from this is that way less people will watch the Rugby World Cup than maybe the 2011 and 2015 editions, but who knows. Anyway, Sky has won, right? As Spark might not be generating a, a great return, and not necessarily. Spark might have other motivations on this. They might see the enormous publicity that has been generated as, as good for their brand, or maybe they think that they are going to be able to sell more broadband and, and phone subscriptions because of this. And that might well be true, but the less measurable benefits of that, it might be true that the less measurable benefits of what they're doing outweigh the more tangible costs. And it is fair to say that the publicity from it has it 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 has been mixed. It you know it's certainly got the name out there. Don't worry about that. Not that spark. You know everyone knows them anyway. Especially in, I guess some of the mixed feedback has come in the face of some of the streaming issues that they've had. Um, spark have come out and said that it's it's only affected a, a few subscribers, but. Honestly, we all know it's been it's been a bigger issue than that. It certainly. I remember the first All Blacks game at home here, and it, it it cut out at at key times during my my stream. So, yeah. Um. Anyway, 
and I guess it, it's one thing is almost certain is that there's been there's been less there's been more there would have been less technical issues if it had been on Skype. But we don't need to get into this. It's beside the point. So, the point of what I'm saying before is that Spark might not have to be profitable on the Spark Sport venture. In fact, they could lose a lot of money and it could still damage Sky. There, there's a famous stock market saying that the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. And this this might be one thing with Sky that, in, in their view, Spark can stay irrational on what it pays for longer than what Sky can stay solvent. And this is especially so with the amount of resources that a company like Spark has. So because in an auction situation, it's, it's hard not to win. Or, or if, if you want to win and you've got the money, all you need to do is pay more than the other guy. I mean, who, who wins at a housing auction? The person that pays the most. It is hard, it's hard to win a housing auction on a house that you want to buy if you're competing against someone that also want, desperately wants to buy it, but that person is rich. And the same is true for sporting rights. I mean, former Sky CEO John Follett has summed it up with a, a great quote that I'll read now. Price is what you pay, value is what you get. It is easy to win any bid. You just keep bidding till you are the last man standing. The tricky part is figuring out how to amortise the cost. We, what he means by amortise the cost there is is making the money back over a, 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 the period of time that you've bought the rights. So we'll not know if, if Spark won the bid for five years until we can measure the cash flow of the deal generated. We may look back and declare Sky the winner for not upping their bid. What John is leaving out there is that Sky can still lose if Spark is prepared to lose money for a long period of time. So just because Spark loses doesn't necessarily mean that Sky wins. Anyway, company updates on this went quiet for a while. Then on the 10th of October 2019, there was an announcement that caught me by surprise. I wasn't really expecting it. The headline read, Spark expands sport offering by securing NZ cricket rights. The first paragraph said it all. Spark is pleased to announce that from April 2020, Spark Sport will be the official rights partner for all New Zealand cricket's matches played in New Zealand. Just a quick clarification. It really starts from the summer 2020, 2021, not April 2020. Not much cricket will be played in New Zealand during the winter months. In fact, no cricket will be played in New Zealand during the winter months. So, But that's just me being picky. Anyway, for me, this was even more significant than the Rugby World Cup. Why is that? Firstly, it is a marquee sport for Sky. It's not rugby, but it still is a marquee sport. I, I can't imagine. It's not like the... No disrespect, but it's not like the football or the Formula 1 or anything like that. It is, it is a marquee sport for Sky. I cannot imagine that it is something that they would have given up lightly. The second is that it's a big commitment from Spark. A, a six-year deal suggests that a bit more skin in the game than a rugby world cup that lasts for six weeks. The third reason why I think it is significant is that it is more than just throwing together a group of former rugby players as commentators and streaming what the host broadcasters in Japan in Japan are producing. This will, I imagine, involve the filming and the production as well as the delivery of the service to New Zealand. So it is a big deal. Spark CEO Jolie Jolie Hodson, Jolie, if you if you're listening, we would love to get you on the podcast. She said, "Cricket is an iconic sport." Blah 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 blah. 
she didn't say that, but I'm skipping out all the CEO speaking, getting to the good stuff. This partnership with NZC New Zealand Cricket, in other words, is another major step towards Spark's strategy of building a profitable sports media business that offers viewers a range of premium domestic and international sporting events over Spark Sport at an affordable price across an array of devices. So what I take from this is that Sky, you have a serious and committed competitor in town, at least at the moment. David White, the New Zealand Cricket CEO, was quoted as saying in the press release, this this is a deal which future-proofs the whole of cricket in New Zealand. Now, in fairness, he probably would have said the same thing if Sky had won the rights, but it does suggest that Spark, when you say you're future-proofing the whole of cricket in New Zealand, it does suggest that Spark were prepared to pay up for the rights. Sky shares, they tanked after the announcement. I think they were down over 20%. I think they closed down 20% for the day, actually, which you'd have to say is not unsurprising. I think what the market took from the announcement is, is what I took from it, is that Spark, at least at the moment, is committed to what they're doing, and that actually filming and producing the cricket was a step up in commitment from what they've done in the past. Interestingly enough, Spark shares also fell on the day of the announcement. And I posted about this on the Stock Market Movers Facebook page, which is another reason to get on there and follow it. To me, this suggests that people are concerned that the deal may not be profitable for Spark. So you'd almost ex- expect that if Sky's going to tank, then Spark's share price is going to increase, but not necessarily because I guess the market is anticipating that maybe they don't make... Maybe it ends up costing them money. Anyway, let's just say that. So... Sky responded to the Spark announcement the same day. We go a bit tit for tat here. They reminded people that you will still be watching international cricket on Sky. So my understanding of this is that when the Black Caps tour overseas, you'll need to what you'll need Sky if you want to watch it. This made me a bit grumpy as I realised that as a cricket fan, I'll need to watch Sky and have a subscription to Spark Sports. So I've got to pay twice. So anyway, the announcement did nothing to stop the slide of of Sky stock on that day. So this the next day, I think the stock you know, fell as well. The announcement did say that exciting news is still to come on the international cricket front. So they didn't let us wait long, they didn't really leave us hanging. And the very next day, this is the 11th of October at 8.33am, they came out with the announcement of Sky Extends International Cricket Deal for four more years. The New Zealand Cricket CEO, he didn't comment on this one. <laughs> the market didn't care either as, as Sky shares were down a little that day. In my opinion, I think that the implications of the Spark announcement the previous day rather than the actual loss of the cricket were the issue. The cricket, to me, more, more than the Rugby World Cup, showed the market that nothing was off limits for Spark Sport. The fact that Sky had secured the international rights, I don't think it changed that fact. And you might think that this is the end of it, but... As I said, this is a soap opera and things were about to get more interesting. On Monday of this week, Sky put out a market update that read, Sky announces revolutionary broadcast deal for Sansa. Revolutionary might be a bit of a hyperbole, but I'll, I'll, I'll let that slide. So basically, it is an extension of the Sansa broadcast rights to 2025, which is basically the, the golden ticket for New Zealand broadcast rights. It is the game changer. If they lost those rights, it is... The, the thing that would really have the baby boomers leave their Sky subscription. It's it's not clear if, if Spark were in the running for the rights or not, but I'm guessing that they were. And it doesn't say the exact terms of the deal, but Sky have said that the rights materially increased from our current arrangements, which is a fancy way of saying we paid a lot more. And the company has to has had to issue nearly 20, 20, uh, 22 million shares 
or 5% of the company to the New Zealand Rugby Union to make the deal happen. So, you know, they're, they're paying a lot more. They're not just paying cash, they're also paying equity as well. And this is the price of competition, you know. And it's, it's probably, actually, when you think about it, if, if you've got New Zealand Rugby Union as a long-term shareholder, it may, you know, the, the rights are going to come up again in, in 2025. It probably puts you in a better position to to get those uh, again. So it's you have to say it's, it was a very good announcement for Sky anyway. Even if it it did, it did come at a at a, a very real cost, so the issuance is of course approval upon the shareholders of Sky, um, but it would be the definition of a sanity for it not to happen. So I don't think there's any worry there. I think Sky it, it, it did what it had to do to secure the rights. The the stock ironically the stock popped right back up to where it was trading before the cricket update. I wouldn't be surprised if if Sky hit. Had had this up their sleeve as an announcement, knowing that the update about the cricket would come from Spark. It, it sort of got me thinking: what if the Sky had announced the rugby first, and then Spark the uh, Spark update came out later? Would the impact of the Sky share price have been dramatic? But who, who knows? But it's an, an interesting thought. Though, what if those two announcements came out on the same day? For example, it would have been quite a volatile day for this, or even more volatile than what it was. It's interesting though that the. The share price movements, of course, they don't tra- change the, the long-term value of the, the stock. The share price movements are purely people trying to figure out what that long-term value is. But it doesn't change it, whatever it might be. So all in all, it's been a fascinating period of time for these two public companies. With, without a doubt, the implications and impact is much larger for shareholders of Sky. I mean, if this doesn't work out for Spark, it'll be written off in a few years' time and everyone will move on. Whereas if it doesn't work out for Sky, then it theoretically could be extremely damaging to the company, more damaging than maybe what it already has been. So what do I think can happen? Well, I think in the long term, the outcome is uncertain. In the short term, anyway, I'm pretty confident that Spark is going to blow through a lot of money with what they're doing. And so long as Spark is prepared to blow through the cash, the environment for Sky will continue to be challenging. And you're certainly not the monopoly that you were when the outcomes for your business to a large extent depend on how much a deep-pocketed competitor is prepared to lose to establish a market position. And as the saying goes, the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. Spark seems to have liked the taste that the Rugby World Cup has given them. And whether the shareholders will tolerate six years of the cricket, however, will be a different story. And at some stage, profitability will become the question. And future new management teams at Spark may be less tolerable to old management's expensive forays into new business lines. And for Spark, they've described the deal with Sansa as revolutionary and and for sky sorry they've they've described the broadcast deal with sansa as revolutionary in the press release perhaps without consulting a, a dictionary first what is actually amounted to is business as usual but at a significantly higher price and the price at, at, at this time include is this time is not just cash, but it included giving 5% of the company away. But even with this, I imagine that it is a price that most shareholders are more than happy to pay. And we may certainly look back in in a few years and, and decide that the ends justified the means. So 
fascinating period of time in the entertainment space in New Zealand. That's about all I have time for. But I know it's an emotive topic, so I'd love to get your views on it. Thanks again for listening into the podcast as a reminder that nothing that I said today should be considered any sort of financial advice. Find out more about the podcast, go to www.stopmarket.com stockmarketmovers.co.nz to find it and give us a like on Facebook or Twitter. Make sure also to share it with your friends. Email me at jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin and this has been episode 62 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Friday the 18th of October 2019. We'll see you all again next week.